So I'm not, I'm not going to cover last week. I'm not going to go through what I've done. If you want to, you can go onto the, uh, the, the internet and, and, and download and, and catch up if you haven't been around. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Judges 6 verse 16 and carry on with this prophetic declaration for us for the year. And it says, the Lord answered, I will be with you. Children are welcome to go or I thought we, we weren't having anything specific for kids. Oh, you are doing kids. Okay. Kids can go, kids can stay, as long as you behave yourself. That includes you, Rob. Okay, Judges chapter 6, verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will go down to the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now that I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Verse 36 says, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground around it is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, which was a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with this fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered in dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground around it was covered in dew. Now, I, I find it very interesting that God, certainly from this text, never takes Gideon on or gets upset by Gideon trying to test him. So the question is, was Gideon trying to test him? Or if Gideon wasn't trying to test him, was he not exhibiting some kind of or displaying some kind of lack of faith? What has God called you to do? Are you asking God for signs? Are you exhibiting this lack of faith? And what I want to do is I want to look at this in terms of our decision-making process as we move into this new season. Because every single one of you has an inclination of what God's word is over your life, of what God's word is over us as a community. And some of us have heard it in our spirits. There's been this unction. Some of you are privileged enough to have heard the audible voice of God. Some of you have had signs etc. And we can try over-spiritualize Gideon's account. Yeah, but Gary, he had an angel that came and sat and spoke to him. Then why did he go, if this is you? If this is you, God, then, won't you? Many of you, God has spoken things over and you go, geez, this is just me kind of thinking that I'm more important than I am. God, is that really you? No, that can't be me. I've asked that question many times. Many times, there were some folks yesterday, we were just relaying the accounts, and Louise was saying, part of last year, I had to settle, actually God's called me to leave this church. That is, am I perfect? By no stretch of the imagination, I ask my family who live with me. But God has put me into this role to lead this church, and I'm not going to apologize for it, and I'm going to lead. If people can't follow, then that's okay. That's actually really okay. But that's what God has put me into. What has God called you to? And are you going to walk in it? And are you going to move into what God has for you? Because again, was Gideon displaying a lack of trust and a lack of faith in God? Was he testing God? Well, because if he was testing God, Deuteronomy 6 verse 16 and in the gospel accounts, the gospel account is Satan tempting Jesus saying, I'm going to take you up to the, to the top of the temple. Here we go. Okay, throw yourself off and let the angels come and, and save you. Do not put the Lord God to your test as it says in Deuteronomy 6.16. But God doesn't reprimand Gideon what one little bit. And so you start to ask the questions, well, maybe he, 
He wasn't testing God. I believe what he was saying was, Lord, like I've said, is this true? Is this just my presumption? Am I thinking this about? Is this my imagination? And God, I need reassurance from you. So what I'm asking you is, I'm not trying to obtain guidance from you. I think when we test God to obtain guidance, we're testing him. Because God is always speaking. God had spoken, but what you were saying was, I need to confirm that this is definitely you. <laughs> because there's 200,000 men outside there, and there's only a few of us. And at this stage, there were 32,000 of them. I need to know that this is you, God, please. You see, there's nothing wrong with it to ask those questions when we are looking to confirm guidance and not attain it. So now the question is, is, well, did he exhibit a lack of faith? Again, I don't think he was exhibiting a lack of faith because I was quite surprised when I went to the commentaries around this. A lot of the commentaries were saying, oh, Gideon was doubting. It was his fleshly nature rising up. God had spoken and, and he was asking questions and he wasn't believing God. But I don't think it was that. Because he wasn't seeking, or he was seeking a miraculous sign. He wasn't seeking a circumstantial miracle. What do I mean by that? I mean that in this thing, he was looking for confirmation. He wasn't looking for God to do it. Many of us do this. We say, God, take us out. No, God, 99% of the times, will have miracles like we've just heard this morning as we go through the valley of the shadow of death. We go through our circumstances. God is with us and miraculous interventions happen to get us there. Not take us out and God does it for us. Gideon wasn't asking that. He was ready to go, but he was, God, I just want to make 100% sure that this is you. Because if I know it's you, I, can, I, I know I can go ahead with this. It's not just my imagination. Faith the size of a mustard seed, Jesus says. Why? The smallest possible seed. Why the mustard seed? Why? Because I come with my imperfect faith, like the man in Mark chapter 9. Jesus says, do you believe? I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. And I come with my little mustard seed, and I say, Jesus, help me. And his massive, awesome, perfect faith envelops that little mustard seed of mine and causes it to grow. It's his faith, ultimately. It's God's faith, ultimately, that dealt with the Midianites and not Gideon's. And so again, what I see is it's not that. It's not the fact that he was doubting God. He was seeking confirmation. And so in my humble but accurate opinion, I don't believe he was testing God. I don't believe that he had a lack of faith. So here's my question again to every single one of you. What has God called you to? What has God, have you lost sight of what God has called you to? Have you asked God for a sign? How, how about our land? The story of our land and I would love to recount it in another time because we want to get off and go to our new venue and stuff. But the fact is, is that when we got our new land, I've recounted the story many, many times. There was God's miraculous interventions on one level to another, on one level to another. How could a group of 50 people acquire a land of 4 million rand for the seller to actually fund the sale when he came to the end of the two years that we, he still stands surety for the bond in that property to this day? That doesn't happen. Guys out in the world, don't do that for churches. Watch God's intervention as we face God, as we deal with our idols, and already he's starting to undertake for us. What is the word of the Lord concerning our land? That we would build it in the lowest economic time in South Africa. Hello? Read the newspapers. We're in for dark times. Do we believe that God is saying what he's saying? Of course, are there going to be obstacles? Yes. They stopped us building our land this, this year because of, I mean, last this week because it's in the road reserve that they say. 
We say, prove it that you've taken that. They can't prove it to us. So, of course, the enemy's going to come and play dirty tactics with us. In your own life, when there's the word of the Lord, he's going to come and play dirty tactics with you. What is the word of the Lord? Are you holding on to it and continuing to move forward? Do you know that every incremental step, you do one step a day, you'll get down to Durban soon enough. It may take you a long time, but you will get there. Do you hold on or don't you? Ah, that can't be God because of all the obstacles. Now, here's what I want to say is that wisdom comes from faith because they didn't throw their brains away. There was a whole process in which God took them. And when you look at 2 Timothy 3.14, it says this. You, however, must continue in the things that you've learned and be confident about them. You know who taught you and how from infancy you have known the Holy writings, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Wisdom comes from faith. Proverbs 9.10, who can quote that for me? Because we always quote it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. No, but we can't fear God. God's a loving God. No, trust me. Trust me on this. John, the disciple, the apostle, used to lie on Jesus' chest and speak to him. He was the closest disciple to Jesus. When Jesus arrives in Revelation as the risen Christ, he essentially wets himself and falls on the ground as though dead. If God had to pitch up here in all his glory, trust me, we would not be standing. There is a fear and a reverent awe of who he is. And when we have that fear and reverent awe of who he is, you know what fear does? Fear controls us. So whatever you fear controls you. If we're fearing God, what happens then is he imparts his wisdom to us to walk in it on a day-to-day basis. That's why I always say faith is this side of the, the railway track. Wisdom is this side. Anton Rowe here this morning. I can give an example of this. When did you guys go to the Sudan? 2005, 6, 2007. So we're at New Covenant Church, Bryanston. Anton Rowe come to me and they say, she's... We really want to go to the Sudan with Henny Kata. He's a guy who's traveling to Africa often. Problem with it is there's a lot of flights that you have to, um, they're not normal kind of public flights. You have to, what's the word? Charter them. That's the word I'm looking for. And so it's, it was expensive. I don't remember the exact figure, but it was a lot of money. They don't have the money, but we feel God has said. So I said, well, that's the face step is go book the tickets. Say you're coming. Move in the direction of it. Last year we had Paul and Dale, the same thing. Paul came to me and says, Gary, I feel God said we must go to Bethel. I'm going, Paul, I'm not even taking a salary right now. What do you think? Are you mad? No, no. Okay, let's wait on it. Let's book the tickets. Oh, yeah, but okay, let's book the thing. Yeah, but it's going to be a thousand rand deposit. Doesn't matter. In faith, let's step out. In faith, Anton Rowe went and booked the tickets. Wisdom is if at the time you have to pay for those tickets, you don't have the money, God didn't want you to go. Guess what happened? Was it the day before or on the day? The day before, somebody came and gave them money. Yeah, we feel that we need to sponsor you. What happened with Paul and Dale? Same thing. And then Dale had all these obstacles. And he was going, oh, God doesn't want me to go. Oh, no, everything's against me. Which we're all in that place. We need the people alongside us to come and say, no, God has said, Dale, keep the faith. Keep walking. The wisdom is, yeah, we take each step. We had to fly him up from Cape Town to Durban. Then he got to Durban and it was the wrong thing. And they, the ticket was in Johannesburg and they refused to see him. And, but the lady that he met there was actually the one that helped him ultimately get the visa. Ha! And we go, oh! So now what's going to happen is our road reserve is gone. But through this process, we're going to meet more people who are going to help us in the future to get onto our land sooner. Why are we a people that continue to doubt God? Seriously. When we look back and we say, God, look what you've done. 
oh no, but God's abandoned us, and oh no, we have to move venue and whatever. I promise you now, the Badhams did not decide that. As hard as the decision was for them, and as hard as for, was for me to hear, no man, we're supposed to move from here to our venue. I don't want to move twice, three times before we get to our venue, our land. I don't want to do that. But God's taking us on a journey. The Israelites went 40 years in the desert to learn obedience so that when they went into the promised land, they would listen to what God had said. God's teaching us stuff through this process. The cloud is moving. We can go, no, we stay here. We can squat on their land. No, God is moving us. Let us move with the cloud. Here's the thing with wisdom. Same with Gideon. God has spoken. The word has been confirmed. There's signs. There's wonders. There's all of these things. There's 300 men about it. There's a strategy. There's a complete strategy that God has in place. They go at the time of the change of the God. They split into three groups of 100 men. They all blow their trumpets, break their jars, shout at the same time. There's a strategy that God gives them. God gives you a strategy to achieve the purposes that he has for you. Are you listening? And if you are listening to the strategy that God has for you, then he's the one that, that comes. Because what happened was there was still a total dependence on God's sufficiency to do what he needed to do. But there was a strategy. There was a process. There were things that these men had to do. He has this amazing scripture. Blessed are those who find wisdom. Those who gain understanding. It's Proverbs 3.13. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. And her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who, hold, who take a hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Ladies and gentlemen, as much as you may have faith, be careful you're not having faith in your faith, but that you're having faith in God and that you hold on to the wisdom that comes from faith because we know and understand who God is and we navigate the season based on wisdom. I think a lot of people, through lack of wisdom, they may have great faith, but through lack of wisdom have undermined the faith in which they have with what God has called them to. Let's be wise. Let's move forward into what God has for us. So decision-making. I've already said that. I know I've shared this in this communion a couple of times, but it hasn't been for a while. Bob Mumford has a book, uh, something like, let's look at, at decision-making again, or guidance, or God's leading. And he gives an example of something like this. In a port harbor in Italy, it's very difficult to navigate into this harbor. And this was before the times that they had all the technology that we have right now, where you, got, you, know, you can see where the bottom and the rocks are. And the only way that they could navigate through this very narrow uh, tributary into the harbor was to line up three beacons. And he uses this as an example, and I'm using this for you to remember, is that in order to get to what God is saying in terms of our purposes, if God is speaking to you like he was speaking to Gideon, do you have the word of the Lord? And I'm not just talking scripture. I'm talking, in this case, it's a rhema word. Gary, I want you to plant a church. Um, Lord, just had our fourth child. Uh, I've got to go tell my wife this. I don't think I'm going to survive that. I need a sign. God's providence, the circumstances that you find yourself in, are the open doors. I'm going to touch on each of these in, a, in God's peace. Those are the three beacons we need to line up. And we need all three. It's like somebody said, but what do you mean against God's word? Well, if you have just turned 50 years old and God says, you know what? You can trade in your wife now for two 25-year-olds. I'm going to go, hold on a second. That's not God's word. Maybe being silly, but men have done that. I'm going through a midlife crisis. I need a new wife. 
Or maybe a woman does that, and we've seen that happening more and more. So when we talk about God's word, it's more about principles learned than about techniques mastered. Because it's God's voice. So we can read scriptures, but what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this moment? In the book of Acts, you see the disciples, they, they continually through trial and error start to hear God's voice. Just this week, just this week, no, last week, there's a voice that's been coming into my life over the years, and I've realized it's, it's actually not God's voice. It's a voice that's accusatory. And gets me to stop stuff. It gets me to do stuff for the wrong reasons. And I've realized, hold on a second, this is not God's voice. We need to understand through different and through relationship. When Louise calls me up on the phone, I know it's her. I don't have to guess, like, who's this? But if a friend from varsity or from school days calls me up, I'm going to go, sorry, who is this? Oh, it's Mr. O. Oh, yes. I'm not going to know the voice. Are we listening to God's voice? Are we practicing His presence? Because the only way to often differentiate between the voices is through understanding what that voice sounds like. When God speaks, there's peace. Even if He's asking you to do things you don't want to do, there's a peace. And here's the thing. God leads us, Satan pushes us. If there's an urgency to make a decision, it's almost 100% you or it's Satan pushing you to make that decision. Don't feel pressured into it. Secondly, like I said, God's providence. <laughs> it's contextual. Because Jonah, God says, go to Nineveh. He goes to the, the harbor and he goes, no, but there's a ship to Joppa. God wants me to go to Joppa. And we know it didn't end well with him. So open doors, context, circumstances don't always show that it's God. What are we hearing? Is it the word of God? And I'm going to get to it in a moment as to how we navigate that. In, in uh, Gideon's example, there's a confirmation. God, I, I need to understand in this thing. We, we're driving on the road. God you said, plant a church. There will be a sign on your right. Massive, brilliant sunrise. Louis says, God has given us that sunrise. Didn't even know what I'd said to God. Okay, God has said. God gives us those things to confirm his word to us. Lastly, the peace of God. Let it act as an umpire. Let me read you the scripture out of uh, Colossians 3.15 from the Amplified. Let the peace, I love this word, the soul harmony which comes from Christ's rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and setting with, settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. In that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body, you were also called to live. The peace of God, ultimately, we can have the word of God and we're in line with the word of God. We can have God's providence and all the context and situations seem to be opening up. The amount of people that say, yeah, but all the doors are opening up. It must be God. Maybe not. But is the peace of God there? Because Satan cannot mimic the peace of God. And in all of this, it's not dependent on circumstances. And sin will disrupt that peace because when we break fellowship with God through sin, peace comes from God. Now, we're not sure, but now you've broken it because you've got unconfessed sin in your heart. Or you're operating in dead works and you haven't repented from it, and so you're standing there distancing yourself from God and wondering why you're not at peace, but you may be in God's will. So do you have the peace of God acting as an umpire? You know, Louise and I, we, 
when we were at a New Covenant Church, Bryanston, we decided we needed to move into a home, mainly because our son Jordan, if he's here, was climbing over the walls into the streets. And so we thought, well, let's get into a proper place because we need to kind of allow some space for our kids to do their things. And we bought this beautiful, put an offer into this beautiful home in Ash Street in Bryanston. Beautiful thatched. And then as marketers call it, I had the most severe post-purchase dissonance. I love that word. It's got post-purchase dissonance. Because that's what it does. It goes, doof. Your heart goes, doof. Doof. Okay, now if I made the right decision. Covered financially, all of those things. I remember sitting in a prayer meeting while we were fasting at Bryanston. And I felt God say, that's not your home. <gasps> Thank goodness the seller was gracious enough to release us from the contract. It was not our home. The peace wasn't there. We wanted it, but it wasn't our home. And we landed up with the home that we actually wanted. So, when we lose our peace, there's only three ways to deal with it. Depending on where you find yourself, repentance, confession, and a revelation of the forgiveness of God towards you. Now lastly, I want to give us two cautions as we move. Let's read first. Let me go back. Judges 8 verse 22. The Israelites said to Gideon, Judges 8 22, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of the Midianites. Ladies and gentlemen, no man, no woman should rule over you. And Gideon says, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Never come under the rule of man. Yes, you come under the authority of man that God has put in place, but not the rule. And he said, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from the share of your plunder. And in verse 27, Gideon made the gold into an ephod, or ephod, however you want to say it, which was placed in Ophrah, his town, and then all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Thus Midian, has, Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head ever again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land was at peace for 40 years. No sooner had Gideon died that the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Bereth as their God and did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies from every side. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. We don't worship miracles. We don't worship angels. We worship God. Our faith is not in angels. It's not in what God does for us. It's in God himself. And that's the people that God has called us to be. We're going to partner with God in terms of what he's doing, not what we want. And sometimes that's difficult to ascertain, but we want to hear his voice like I've just described. And so ultimately, when God performs miracles, we need to watch that we don't slip back and start to serve our idols again. Remember my first preach. Gideon turned away from the idols, faced God, destroyed the idols, and went on to do what God had asked him to do. And we go, we don't have idols. Well, go listen to that preach. I think we all do. Let's not be a people that slip back into our own ways. That's, I'm not going to read it now, but Deuteronomy 8 describes that. God says, be careful that when you get everything that you want, that you don't think it was from your hand, because I'm the one who gave you the strength, the power to attain it. Let's be known as a people who want God for God, one of our values, not what we get from him. Let's not slip back into worshiping idols. Let's move into the season with gusto, with momentum, because as much as I know, some of us also say, yeah, but this is such an amazing place to be. It is. 
The presence of God is thick here, but God is not about location. God is in our hearts, and we carry him with us. And I, Yes, I would love to stay, like I said. As I said, it's not the Badams who decided to make us leave. God himself is kicking us out the nest because I would never have even thought about getting onto our land this year. And yet God is saying, now is the time. He's kicking us out the nest. God is preparing us for a new season. So let's allow God to go before us like he did Moses. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And God has got great things beyond our wildest dreams and imaginations prepared for us. And each one of us has good works that he's prepared for us in advance to do. So he will go with us. But we will do.